Welcome to FinTech Corner. Uh, my name is Joseph Drambarian. I'm the Chief Product Officer here at Travada. I am joined by none other than our <laughs> founder and CEO, Brett Turner. And we're going to talk about my favorite topic today, uh, which is not often uh, that we get to talk about exclusively tech. But the reason we wanted to talk about this today, I guess just a little bit of context, I feel like we have had a chip on our shoulder for a while now about whether or not there is a level playing field in terms of technology in the space that we are in, right? And I don't want to get into semantics in this podcast because we could probably spend the whole podcast talking about why Travada is not a TMS, okay? But the truth next is- Next episode. Yeah, that's <laughs> next episode. But the truth is we have to deal with this often, right? When we're talking about who we are, what we do, why we matter- one of the things that comes up is comparisons between Travada and other TMS platforms. And one of the things that has irked us, I think, for a very long time is this false comparison that Travada as a tech platform is comparable to the legacy tech platforms of the TMS systems that exist. But if we want to just extend this conversation beyond TMS, let's just look at the entirety of the finance you know, software provider ecosystem. And I thought that this would be a fun topic to dig into and be vulnerable and honest about because it is something that we find annoying in the industry because it's not true. And so I'm going to give you- Well, and I think specifically like the use of the term, like let's get right into the use of the term cloud. Oh yeah, don't get me started. (laughs) I'm going to let you have first crack at it, okay? Why do you think that it's an unfair thing to say if you are an existing TMS player or a different software provider that you're you're natively in the cloud? Why is that offensive to us when we hear it? Yeah, and I mean, again, you know, you're the technologist, you're the engineer, you're definitely rightly so offended. But I, I have this, uh, uh, it just wells up in me as well. My last startup was this company called Second Watch, and it was really a pioneer in enterprise IT, and the whole thing was the journey to the cloud. And it's exactly 10 years later now, right. coming up in in May of 2023, coming up, it was 10 years prior when that was the tipping point in our business in that space, is AWS, is it enterprise grade? And, and AWS didn't invent the term cloud. You know, everything just rallied around what they provided is this massive, incredible, you know, sandbox of the tech community and everything's right. built natively in in cloud but you have this term cloud now that even then it was an annoying thing to to really sell around and the old establishment you know the the adage of like if you can't convince them confuse them right and that was happening then it was all about like wait a second public cloud oh wait that sounds scary public cloud you know and then abs of course did this massive deal with the, the cia and it's like right. yeah well Public cloud is secure. Let's not. But all of that stuff that you, you, then it was like the private cloud. Well, that sounds safer. And, oh, you mean your own data center? It's like, it's like you're a private cloud, <laughs> really? So you still, what's so amazing to me, because all of that stuff I felt like we had to deal with and sell against and educate in the IT space. Now, which, which is a lot of sort of the segue for me and, you know, starting Travada, not just the finance background stuff, but it's also, you know, a front row seat did the whole digital transformation and how cloud was just a key part of that with AWS. Here we are 10 years later, digital transformation, finance, banking, and all of that. And you've got these really legacy 
treasury management systems, the TMS space, any corporate who's $5 billion in revenue and above, right. you know, stats are roughly 60, 70% of them will have a TMS, but they're 25 to 45 years old and aging. And you've got a few of the prime players, they're saying, well, we're cloud-based. And somehow they've been able to get away with, you know, all the customers thinking, oh, well, it's in the cloud. Or another term that's misused, oh, it's SaaS. Then it must be modern. Yeah. And that is just not true. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that, that you took it in this direction because I want to zag just for a moment. If you're a customer and you're trying to assess the viability of the vendor that you work with, you want to hear that they are cloud-based. You want to hear that they have enterprise-grade security, that they've thought through how to manage your data effectively. So from a marketing and sales perspective, I can see why you would want to say, we are a cloud company, right? The problem is that the customer might not be educated in all of the various meanings of what it might be to be a cloud-based company, right? When we think of cloud, we think AWS, Azure, Google Cloud, the main players that provide the highest level of security, resilience, global availability, all of the things that you would expect when it comes to a public cloud. When you hear cloud from any TMS provider or any finance software provider, one of the things that you first have to get past is, are they hosting those data centers themselves? Because if they are the ones that are on the hook for that resilience, security, etc., you immediately then have to compare them from a proficiency perspective with Google, Amazon, and Microsoft. Could they ever do it at that level of capability, right? And let's rewind the tape and think about even those players, Microsoft, they just went through a major breach just a year ago, right? And this is the most elite tech company in the world is facing these issues. And they invest all of the money, all of the resources, everything that they can to keep their government contracts safe, all of the enterprises that depend on them. And now think about that. Will your TMS provider do the same thing? No way. And so that's why the first layer of, I think, our issue with it is that it's preying on the lack of knowledge of the buyer who trusts that, hey, at a minimum, I need to know these things are true because that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing from IT that it should be in the cloud. It should be safe and secure. You should be passing certain requirements, etc. But just because you've checked off that box doesn't mean that now you are at the same level as Microsoft or Amazon and Google. And I think that's why the reaction is so flagrant from our perspective. Because totally. And we haven't even gotten into the thick of it. Well, and I think this is like the first layer. Right. Like the first layer is like, you know, we just went through and we did a, the previous podcast the last week and the banking crisis and SVB meltdown and all that. And, and, and this is akin to like, okay, now it's like, take care of your cash. Like that's right. a really important thing right now. And so if you look at like this whole movement of, you know, with the cloud, It'd be like the equivalent of saying, well, it's my private cloud. It's in their data center. It'd be like, okay, I'm okay with having all of my cash in a suitcase in the back closet, right. practically. Or maybe the door's locked, right? right. <laughs> There's no windows and it's safe in the basement versus having it in, you know, JP Morgan, right. too big to fail. 
Is it safe? You know, right. Exactly. There. So it's like, in, it, there's first, there's that aspect, just getting it in the right place. And so I think this notion of like, we've been seeing that over the last few years. Okay. That is not playing well. Let's go ahead right. and let's go ahead. We'll get some savings. We'll move it into Azure. We'll move it into AWS. I think Azure is becoming, um, you know, Azure definitely has gained on AWS, but I don't think they have quite the level of, you know, native services, web services that you can really Absolutely. utilize on and build stuff on, but it's still, it's still, you know, really good. And they've closed the gap a lot. Um, so when you look at that, this is kind of the next thing. This is like, just because you've moved from your, you know, your own data center, right. or maybe some other hosted provider that isn't as reputable as Microsoft or Amazon, and you've moved it into maybe the Azure cloud, yeah. Like, does that mean it's cloud? Does that mean you've you've checked all the boxes and and you're good now? It's cloud. Everything's good. Yep. This is the next stage of being upset, <laughs> and it's like wrong, <laughs> right? So, and I'm gonna keep doing this during this podcast because I I don't want to be irreverent of the buyer that is honestly just trying to assess totally. the differences yeah. here, right? But you would never know as a buyer that at the end of the day that software provider may be taking the very same software that they have had for the last, as you said, 10, 20, 30 years, could be whatever Java application they built back in the early thousands, right? They can simply take that and install it on a set of servers that are just managed by Azure and then call themselves cloud. <laughs> right. But right. nothing has changed. The software is still what it is. And I think that's why we get to this point of, now there's a little right. bit of benefits in fairness. You get yeah. a little bit of, you know, a little bit of the cloud, you know, maybe the availability of service. I mean, you're kind of getting this managed service that's a little bit better than you doing it yourself and yeah. maybe a little more secure than what you generally get. But like natively building it with the services that Microsoft or Azure will be providing. That's the key. Or AWS is providing. I don't think any of the buyers understand what that even means, what, that there's a journey there, right. that there's really a delineation. And I think that's really what gets, you know. So, so what is that? Because it just happens to be the case that tech and tech companies have evolved dramatically over the last 10 years. If you want to expand the window to 20, I mean, these are quantum leaps we're talking about here. And the latest one, the one that is probably the most important to distinguish is what you just said native cloud, right? What does that even mean? Well, it means that you bring a different philosophical approach to how you build that software. If you have an older platform, let's say that you built this software 20 years ago, the likelihood is that you're not changing it very often because it's hard to, because you're constrained by the way that it was built then. And it may be pretty reliable, but it has gotten to its shelf life, if you will, in terms of sustainability. And really the differences here are a monolithic application versus a microservice oriented application. Bingo. And I know I just threw out a buzzword, you know, and you can go on Wikipedia and look it up and whatever you want to do. But the takeaway in all of this is it's a philosophical difference. When you build something big and heavy, it just is more difficult to make changes because you make a change over here and it might touch something over here and you have to then test the entire thing to guarantee that it's still safe. When you build things in a microservice-oriented way, what, what are we saying? Microservice. So it's small. It's little pieces of software that ultimately spreads the risk out so that if you want to make a change over here, you might not feel it over there. 
Now, I know that, you know, the commenters will jump in and say, well, wait a minute. Yeah, that can still happen in microservice. Granted, of course it can. You still have to be a good software development shop. Like, that doesn't go away. Garbage in, garbage out. Right. But the point is that it's a more sustainable approach if you want to commit to more releases. And that's one of the things that we see in the industry is that you might have a software provider that says, guess what, guys? We're going to give you two releases this year. Right. It's, Ooh. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're so excited. Yeah. We're cooking with gas now, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we're not used to that because we release every two weeks, right? Yeah. The idea of releasing twice a year is almost like it's comical, right? Well, I think when you said this monolithic, I mean, just this aspect of this rigidity, right. like we're, you're so, when you're, you know, if, if really, and I try to tell folks like, if what you're buying is more than maybe 10 years old, maybe even eight years old, like you can't natively build in AWS or Azure because those services didn't exist before that time. That way of thinking didn't exist. And so you, yeah, even, so you could start to really build things maybe eight years ago. So 2006, you know, 2014, 2015, you're starting to hit where there's enough services to really build something like, like what we've built. And even, even what we have today, we couldn't have done it with the services that were available then and even new things that are releasing all the time. But this aspect of like the world is speeding up and right. the technology world, you can't, you know, if you're not changing constantly, if you're not innovating constantly, and then you're sort of standing still. And that is just, you know, th- there's nothing worse than that in the technology. Like right. you, you can't live with that. And that's kind of what's happening in the, in the TMS world. You've got these, these big systems that have been around for 35 years They've made the transition of moving stuff into Azure or into maybe AWS. I'm hearing, you know, a couple maybe moved to Azure, but then, so they're hosted there. Right. They're simply hosted in those, in, in Microsoft data center, getting some benefits. But if you haven't, you know, built from the bottom up natively on all of those services that are available to you within that environment, then you don't have all these componentized. And then if you think of APIs, which is now it's like, Oh, an API with in banking. And that's a big part of our, our, right. our story too. But when you think about microservices, like how many APIs do we have? That's essentially the part of the fabric or the architecture of Travada. Like, and they change all the time. And that's the thing is that, I mean, isn't it th- th- thousands? At like this we have, point, it's definitely hundreds. If you were to do cumulative over time, over the last four to six years, it is thousands. And it's because we evolve, right? We change the way that we query data, that we put services and features together. We come up with new ideas altogether for features and parts of our roadmap. And don't you want to be nimble in the approach of being able to tweak, react to customer feedback, uh, improve your own design? You don't want to be tied to the ideas that you had a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, right? And ultimately be put into a box because you've ultimately, you know, forced yourself into that box because of the constraint of that service. That's not the most efficient way to build software. And we haven't even gotten, though, to the part that finance people will appreciate, which is cost. Absolutely. Okay. Well, one quick thing, on just to kind of let everybody know that, maybe a good analogy on kind of the monolithic or that inflexibility of it. If, I mean, it's, think of it like a, I mean, if you were going to paint something or build something and it was just one single form factor, like it came out of a, <laughs> at a mold and you can't do anything with it. If you're going to change it, it's almost like you, it's not made of Legos. You can take a couple of pieces out 
Right. If there was a Lego piece that's yellow and you want it to be blue, you could take the piece out and pop a blue piece on, right? Right. And that's sort of that componentization that you really need because you have ultra flexibility. You're constantly refining it. If there's a piece in there you want to change, you're constantly, it's like a garden and a bonsai tree. Maybe you're doing clipping right. and you're changing and, and you're just constantly evolving and molding to something that's continuously great. Yeah. But if, it, if it's monolithic and it's just not, you're not able to swap out parts or make upgrades or change things, it requires like a large, you know, tech debt, meaning large engineering department to really build big things and then somehow figure out to migrate and move those off. Right. Like, it, you, you, I mean, just in my... No, Am I clarifying a little bit? Like the, absolutely. How, it's just how you can't really, who wants to be stuck in that or at the behest of that kind of technology platform as your environment? It's stifling. And it also means that if you want to have, you know, one of the top engineering programs focusing on that topic, it'll be really difficult to recruit the best talent if you start off right out of the gate saying, hey, you can't use all of the best tools, all of the best approaches, the, the best philosophy with regards to software development. You actually have to use 20 years ago's uh, <laughs> philosophy and do your best under those circumstances, right? Which means that at every level, you are holding yourself back when you are in that, that model. What about money? I think this is one of the most fascinating parts of this whole thing. And coming from Second Watch, this yeah. is the biggest thing, right? Because... Yeah. The biggest innovation with regards to cloud is not the fact that you're trusting Amazon or Microsoft to run those servers. That was what it was yeah. back like 10 years ago. Now the biggest important development is this concept of just-in-time services, right? Yeah. In the past, you'd have to run your servers 100% of the time with backup because there's no other way, right? Yeah. The, virtualiz the, the virtualizing of servers and the concepts around that just didn't exist back then. So the big innovation that's taking place now is this just-in-time processing, which is exactly what it sounds like. You only use server capacity when you need it, and the rest of the time, it's not even on. So think about the comparison there. Yeah. If you're running an old 20-year-old system where you have a set of customers, all of them are enterprise-grade, all of them are relying on you, and you need a certain service level to run it, it has to be on all day, 24-7, 365. That means that your cost will never go down yeah. in terms of service. Whereas with a nimble company like Travada, we only yeah. keep those services on when they're being used, which means that when we architect, when we sell, everything about our company is tailored around this concept that we're not throwing money away on reserved capacity for no reason. Yep. And... This, I think, is like if we were to say nothing else, this one piece is like, well, that's why Travada has such an incredible price point, right? It's because we can. Well, and, and then you look at it, it's like, well, how is, how is Travada making any money at these prices, right? Well, it's because when you can build something natively and you could take advantage of that model, everything componentized, right. it, there's no, I mean, you think of like, all the environmental concerns that are going on, but nobody's really talking about like how wasteful it is not to run your technology stack like that. Like right. we're, there's no wasted motion. There's no wasted effort. We're using everything. And if, if it's not being utilized, it's, it's shut off. Right. So some of these things that, you know, maybe folks are out there thinking, okay, I know I have a TMS. I know it's old. I can't articulate it. Why? 
I just know the interface looks kind of old and, yeah. and I can't do a lot of stuff with it. I don't quite know why, but really it comes down to that underlying architecture that just isn't allowed to make these kind of changes or keep up. There's just, right. there's not a way to make those changes very easily. And I think that therein kind of lies the, the ceiling of those companies, right? Because we are just at, you know, at year four of being, you know, in product and in market. And we've had all this time to innovate on those native services. Well, guess what? Amazon's not done innovating. No. They're, only, they're, they're only accelerating. Right? They're continuing <laughs> to add more and more capabilities that take that, you know, platform that we are at currently and we're, it's going to get elevated just by us being part of it, right? And being native uh, users of it. And so when you look at the roadmap of Travada from a technology perspective, it grows with Amazon, Right. The more capabilities that we have access to, the more we're going to take advantage of them, the more we'll be able to give that benefit back to our customers, both in terms of cost and in terms of services. And that's, I think, ultimately the story here is that do you want to use something that is stuck? It's literally stuck. Yeah. It can't move beyond that because of choices that ultimately cannot be undone, right? Right. Well, I think these these notions of like, hopefully we're conveying, you know, again, microservices, architecture, what that means, componentization. The other thing is, you know, when you hear, you just even think about it, it sounds, you know, so is there an easy way to explain what serverless is? I'm trying to also think of a, maybe if you're looking to buy your next TMS or, or you're going to ask questions, hard questions to your own right. TMS, like ask these kind of questions. So you you could see what the answer comes back because there's no way to BS it. Like you can't uh, say it's pretty easy. You're yes or you're no. Right. And if you start to go off and start to ramble, it's like, okay, there's something there. But do you have a microservices architecture or do you not? Like you have to essentially have right. that if you're going to use, um, are you, you know, are you using some of these other services? Like what's the easiest way to like a serverless environment? Just also like nobody's going to know what that means, but Maybe try it, to. It kind of sounds like you're you're making things up when you're saying right, right. serverless. Wait, wait a minute, doesn't we, it have to be on you, servers? You just right? told me that there are servers, and now you're telling me there are no servers. What are you talking about? Totally. It's exactly what we had just referred to. This this just in time processing. The official way to kind of talk about that is serverless architecture, and all it's saying is that you're really running on a virtual container, and. Because Amazon is in charge of running that container and providing that back to you, they can decide when that container is turned on and created, how much of a slice of an individual server you might have access to, and whether or not your slice should be living with another slice or be on its own. And this concept of serverless is really, it's the simplest way of thinking about it is you are not maintaining a server someone else is maintaining a server in every context. And so what you are doing is just saying, I have some code and I'd like for you to run it for me. And then they say, great, we'll take it from here. How it happens, why it happens, how much it costs, we'll let you know. And we have every implementation detail. Now that might sound scary just in terms of loss of control, but what ends up happening as a result is that they are able to take the quality of service dramatically up because they control effectively the full stack of logistics of how that code is getting executed. Think about it, if you were running that code, if you were on the hook for how much CPU am I gonna be using? I mean, we're talking about just like if you're on your laptop, yeah, right? Yeah. And you're running an app, 
right? Yeah, no and, thanks. And, and you want to see <laughs> that app, you know, do I have the right laptop? Is this app going to make my processor get so hot because yeah. it's crunching numbers that it can't, it freezes the whole system? Do I have enough memory? Do I have enough hard drive? Guess what? Those very same things are the things that you're asking when you're running any software on any server. And so this, this concept mm. of serverless is basically so, yeah. saying, hey, you don't need to worry about any of those details. Let us worry about that. We'll take care of all of it for you. You give us your code, put it into our container, and we will figure it out. We will run it optimally. We will only run it when, when you need it. And we'll give you a bill that is a fraction of what it would be if you were doing it all by yourself. Now, why would you want your provider to think in this way? It's because at the end of the day, all of these costs are going down. Mm-hmm. So what if your provider, they're stagnant? Their costs yeah. are not going down. Eventually, who's going to float? The, who's right, going to pay the bill? Who's right? going to pay the bill? You are. Yeah. Right. And as new vulnerabilities come out, as they have to upgrade their hardware, because think about it this way: you're getting the net benefit out of Amazon constantly upgrading their hardware, taking advantage of the very best processors, the very best architecture for uh, energy efficiency. Uh, they are planting these data centers in optimal locations so that they have the lowest latency in terms of internet connectivity. They care about all of these details. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're handling all of that and you're on the hook for that. Oh, can you? Yeah. How, how can we know that they you're going to be able to do it? have an army of folks who are experts right. managing all that stuff for you at this incredible scale. There's no way right. you could ever get that on your own. And it's amazing, especially when you think of, you know, again, making that inc- that first move of kind of, but right. you get a little bit of benefit, but it's like, it's, it's only a fr- tiny, tiny fraction of what you get. And it's not, I mean, cost is a huge part of that. You'll, you know, that, that cost decline, you could take advantage of that. Like for us, we're able to continue to drive the costs of the architecture or the infrastructure as, as low as possible. And then it allows us to really pass on a lot of that savings to our customers. Yeah. And why would one want to do that? Well, everybody's knows the model pretty well. I mean, Amazon did that in the retail space, right? They get a scale and it was part of their virtual flywheel. You know, when you have scale and you can lower costs, you pass the savings on to the customer and what happens? Then the customer buys more. So, and then it comes back. Now you have more volume. You can, you can get more cost out of the supply chain. You lower prices further. Guess what happens? The customer buys more. You start around the wheel again. I mean, all right. this thing is just this continuous aspect of just, that's been happening for the last 10 plus years in tech, it's just now finding its way. It's right. crazy. It's taken yeah. this long into this space. And in some ways we're bringing something into the space that just hasn't been introduced before. So if you think of like the treasury space, you know, the, you have these really old aging systems that are stuck in these old models. Customers know that they like to get off. There's really not a good alternative. We're now kind of now, uh, even though we've been around for a while, we've now starting to inch our way. And it's like, okay, now we have, we just released payments. We've just released cash positioning. We're starting to now add right. like some of these core treasury pillars. And as we do, we're going to be putting the TMS on notice. You, you can't like, it, it just becomes so obvious when the alternative is there isn't a good one, but now there is. Travada is coming up as the, as now a, a true new technology, you know, alternative with all the things that you really want as your technology partner. Right. And it's just, I'm, I'm excited because it's just going to be a landslide. I love that you said technology partner. I think if we wanted to end on any point, it's this. The reason we get offended when we get compared with TMS is because we consider ourselves 
a technology company. And when you partner with us, you're partnering in that way. You're trusting us to manage all the aspects of this technology, whether it's backend services, cloud infrastructure, the user experience, innovating in all the different ways, mobile. And all of that is a comprehensive ecosystem when it comes to how you take advantage of our features and, and, and services. So at the end of the day, do you consider your partner a technology company? Yeah, exactly. Because if you're thinking about this from a five to 10 year roadmap perspective, you should trust that they are an actual real tech company. Right. <laughs> not, <laughs> it's not, kind of important. Deal. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I feel like we've gotten it off our chest. <laughs> we might need a few <laughs> yeah. more therapy sessions. Maybe a couple yeah. more rounds, a couple more reps. No, it's good. I'm, I'm excited to be able to start to really tell this story more. And I think, again, yeah. it's it, at the end of the day, the, you know, if you're in treasury and, and, and you're evaluating these systems or you're even using one yourself and still kind of, it's hard to articulate like, why does this thing, why is this thing so slow? And I've seen it where they, it's like you're the notion of, uh, and I've got gray hair. I've used, you know, been in technology. For a while. It's like, why do I run this routine or this job? And it goes over here and it does its thing and I have to wait. And then I have to, I might, because of that, it's like, okay, I'm just going to go to lunch and maybe it's done when I come back. Oh, it's still not done. Maybe it is when I come in the next morning. I have to, you have to run jobs overnight right. to do that. It's like, you, those, those shouldn't exist. You shouldn't have to That's do that. That's just a wild concept. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're used to chat GPT where you can ask it <laughs> anything under the sun and it will respond to you, right? It's, yeah. Totally. It's crazy. So it's, it, it's going to be fun. I think, again, like I say, that also there's this aspect of sometimes people say, well, you know, I don't really need to understand technology. It, you know, why does it even matter? You know, cloud native cloud or these microservices, why, why does that really, well, it, it matters because we're telling you all the results, all right. the things that you just see and experience firsthand. That's why. So hopefully it's kind of connecting the dots. The, I remember uh, in some of my days in, in telecom a number of years ago, it, uh, it, it would be this part of like this aspect of, you know, in the network or network resiliency, it would be called, right. does your hardware have the, the abilities, you know, flexibility, agility, reliability, right. you know, you just think of all, and at the end of the day, you, you just, you can't get all those things. You need that, you know, from your tech partner and you can't really get that truly. And, and I think the, the, the last thing too, is that everybody's sort of used, especially in a very risk averse, you know, and rightly right. so in, in treasury and finance, but there's notion of, um, of, of just constantly being a good defender. You're playing defense a lot. Right. Right. And I think, the world is speeding up so fast and it's all about data and it's all about information and access to information. I mean, that's, that's what runs the world right now. Absolutely. It's those who have access to the information and who's who don't. And, and at the end of the day, you, you've got to have, you know, a data platform, essentially technology that's going to give you access to that, help you so that you can go on the offense. Because if you, you know, you used to be able to, you can just kind of play, you know, continue to play defense and you're going to be Okay. Now it's like you have to get in the game. You have to play offense now too. And if you're not, you're starting to be left behind. And there's these expect, the bar continues to go up of what's expected. And if you can't actually do those kind of things, you can't stay ahead. You can't be proactive. So things that are just, you have to be doing, you know, more faster, better resiliency around your forecasting. And you have to have insights and visibility into your cash. These 
You know, we just, just this last week was just a reminder for every, you need to be multi-bank. You need to be looking at APIs. The the upgrade is we're going to see this massive wave start to accelerate yeah. of digital transformation and this, this big upgrade. And uh, it's just going to be fun to be a part of it because we feel like we've, and, you know, part of why we want to just share with people is like we feel, we, you know, we've truly built something that's great, checks all of those boxes. It's not just about necessarily this, one feature in treasury if you can't, you right. know, if it doesn't really work all that well. And so I think those are the things that we're going to really get to to kind of step in and, and make a big difference. And honestly, if you've been listening to this podcast all the way through the, to the end, which we appreciate, we have a bunch of resources on our website that dig further into this topic. I uh, just encourage uh, our listeners to check it out. If okay. Even if you don't sign up for Travada. One we, more thing. I yeah. know we're getting close, but... Uh, so maybe really quick. So one of the things too, um, what we did last year was pretty incredible. And I'll just say, cause I was, in, you know, just, I was so impressed with, you know, you and our engineering team and what we pulled off and yeah. it felt like, could we even do this it was a year prior, but being able to, we basically, even ourselves rebuilt a lot of our data infrastructure to yeah. support what we've recently done. So what it enabled is incredible we now have Travada as a freemium. Right. Companies can go to our website, like you're saying, sign up for free, and we could we could kind of have this really low cost, you know, free. It doesn't get any more lower than that <laughs> to try. It's Travada, right? Right. But you you can't like. There's no way you could ever do that with with the with the TMS because you know it's super expensive. Just to you know, you'd have to pay for every single one of those customers. Yeah. That do you want to pay? You know, you're incurring might be like fifteen thousand minimum just to kind of right. get in and do the the most basic thing. So when you can, we can offer that for free. Like maybe connect the dots. Part of that thing, which was was really an incredible feat that you know you and the team were able to pull off and allow us to even do that. And that happened late last year. Yeah, I appreciate the the shout out on the pod. Um, but I'd say at the end of the day, it actually is related to this conversation that we've had about cloud because the only way that you could make a change like that, one that is so fundamental, right? Because it touched everything. It touched APIs. It touched how we store our data, the database itself. And what we did is we, we looked at this audacious question, right? How might we welcome the whole world into our platform and give them a great experience while still maintaining a level of cost that is feasible for us to operate, you know, as, as a company. And we know it's possible, right? Because we look at services that are available all over the world, social media companies, et cetera, that deal with billions of users and are able to operate and welcome all of them in and still be profitable, right? At that kind of scale. The only way it can be done is if you, even go further and more deep into taking advantage of those cloud services that we've been talking about, where you look at every aspect of your infrastructure and you ask yourself, can it scale? Can it, can we do the multiplication exercise of we currently can, you know, manage thousands. Could we do millions? Right. And where things break are always at scale. And I think that we went through this exercise mostly because of the fact that we knew that our partner, Amazon, has services that can scale at that level. We just didn't take advantage of them. And so that's why I think stressing this point that being a true tech company, 
one that is nimble, one that takes advantage of cloud native, one that looks at costs in this way, in a self-critical way, and constantly evolves is so important because what if we had just said to ourselves, oh, we're fine with the way that we're operating and we don't want to welcome the whole world into our platform. Well, we would have had a ceiling and that would have kind of been the end of our, our run, if you will. But we were more audacious than that and we saw an opportunity to take the software that we've built and evangelize it at a much wider level. And what we did is we put our money where our mouth is. We said, we're going to have to work hard and change the way that we're thinking and the services that we use to achieve that goal. And we did. And that's not the last time that we're going to do that. <laughs> we're going to keep doing that. It's happening right now. Right? So yeah. I think that that's just the nature of this story that if you are a tech company and you commit to this kind of approach philosophically, you're never done. Right? You don't just yeah. build your software and it's like, all right, let's hand it to the sales team. And for the next right. 20 years, Here's the they're going to sell it. <laughs> right, right. No, it's super exciting. I, I'm so pr proud of, you know, what you and the team had, had built. Thank and you. what's so cool is it just now you can, I mean, we have, we've essentially opened up the door to the public. I mean, you're, you know, what, what was sort of unheard of to be able to give uh, best practice at scale, right? sort of this CFO, you know, uh, treasure in a box right? and be able to do that, you know, for companies that just generally never have access to anything like this who are just stuck in Excel. And, you know, it's, it's always the, the, you know, the things that I used to deal with, it's just you're, whether it's at month end close and you're like, why am I having to work in every month end close? And I try to get ahead, but I'm, it's still 10 PM and I missed another dinner with my family, you know? Right. And so I think at the end of the day, these are the kind of things that we're able to offer to everyone. And I think now when, when everybody's kind of, you know, has uneasiness and answering a lot of questions and a lot of communication with, whether it's their, their board or their executive team or even their employees um, about their banking relationships and where their cash is held. And, you know, do they have good, uh, a good beat on all that and those kind of insights? Like you really need a true technology partner to see, you know, as part of that now journey. And, and uh, of course, we hope, we hope everybody find it. They, they go to our website and, and discover it for themselves because it's, it's right there in plain sight. <laughs> for your consideration, Travada. <laughs> Awesome. Well, yeah, like I said, I feel a lot better. Um, probably not done, but uh, it's a good first stab at, at why we feel so strongly about this. And yeah, I appreciate you getting vulnerable about uh, about this topic. I know we've been talking about it behind closed doors forever. So yeah, thank you for joining us on, on this conversation. This has been the FinTech Corner podcast and I'm Joseph and this is Brett and we'll see you next time. Great. Thanks.